Hello and welcome to Community Quest episode 276. I'm your host, frustrated Steam Deck owner, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, proud new member of the Ask Wheels family, Bernie Family Master. Uh, Gaijin, you go first. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, long time no see. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Uh, your Welcome back. And this is Joe, a.k.a. Smoking Joe 86 And I am supposed to be here today. I was actually invited this time. Wow. You were. In person, oh. even. Yeah. Hmm. I can't think of a weirder interaction than to go up to someone in person being like, Hey, come be on my podcast. Well, no, he was here. He was here, anyways. But yeah, I know. But I'm just imagining <laughs> that interaction because it reminds me of like every time in the Mega Man Battle Network games, where one of the characters will be like, will walk up to someone on like in person and say, "Hey, do you want to go hang out on the internet?" <laughs> I used to do that all the time. <laughs> I'd go to school and be like, "Who wants to play uh, Diablo 2 after school today?" Oh, that's that's way more concerned. Like that's not something you can do in real life. The 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 dipshit children of this franchise just like say, "Hey, let's go hang out on the internet and then just chat." <laughs> Truly baffling. <sighs> sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm very angry right now. I'm full of anger. No, I've noticed. Uh, we also so, yes. having sorry. some issues. You were saying yes. So. Uh... Yeah, so Wheels was here today at my apartment, and we played some King of Fighters 15. Nice. And it's fun because we're actually evenly matched in that game, so it, w it was fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of you will learn how to play use quick mode, and then someone will die. <laughs> What's quick mode? Uh, quick mode is when you so you have like these two modes called max mode and quick mode, and basically quick mode makes it so that you can combo out of a like it, neither of you is ever really likely to get to the point where it's actually useful mechanic, but uh, cancel out of special moves and into like supers without the opponent having any way to get out of it. Yeah. It requires I think that was covered in the meter. tutorials. Yeah. Yeah, it's brought up in the tutorial, but it's hard to actually use properly unless you're at like competitive level. Yeah, so if you have like five level five, yeah, five plus bars. yeah, it's crazy. So um Yeah. And then you'll get like comboing like a level one super into a level two super and then, you know, someone rage quits. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Well, all I know is I beat him with B Janet without really meaning to. I did um I did her level three super combo, forgetting that it was a parry, but then he just happened to be jump kicking me. Yes. <laughs> and then she she takes off her shoe and just beats them to death with it and they go flying off the screen. Yeah. Thinking about like the least useful parry super in video games, we're going to take it as a sidebar while Wheels tries to resolve his technical issues. But I'm thinking about the least useful super in a fighting, like parry super in a fighting game. 
damage. Either Blue Reflection from Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, which is a parry super that gives you like the screen uh, freeze flash before like it does anything. Okay. So any player that isn't just slamming buttons is going to just watch you make an ass of yourself, like doing the parry and then not do anything and then beat your ass for having tried it. <laughs> or uh, there is a parry super that Hagar has in Final Fight Revenge that only reacts to jump kicks. And uh, that super had like a ridiculous and beautiful animation, but no one will ever hit it because like it requires you to like it has to be done on reaction to your opponent jump kicking you, and that's just never going to happen. Submitting for the record that I'm currently plugging a mouse into the Steam Deck to make this slightly easier. I don't okay. know why you're still doing this. Let's see in a second if you have the stream open. I do. Okay. I'm watching it. But yeah. Well, I remember um in Ult yeah, in Marvel vs. Capcom three, Deadpool had a parry, but he would like it was kind of obnoxious though, because he would actually start walking towards them and then they'd actually have to try to hit him. And hmm. but then he would actually grab the power bar from the bottom of the screen and beat them with it. Yeah, well, that was the other thing with, with MVC3 is that it was moving so fast that there was actually a reasonable guarantee that your opponent was trying to do something when you used the parry super. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, you play something like Street Fighter 3 or God forbid Final Fight Revenge, it's like, yeah, I don't think many opponents are going to be throwing out throwing out the shit in neutral, so I don't think you're going to hit, you're going to get many takers on that. Yeah, and I want to say one of the Mortal Kombat's, it might have been 10, Johnny Cage was the only character with a parry x-ray move. Um, and it was kind of a pain, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, speaking of fighting games, Street Fighter 6 looks really fucking good. <sighs> I gotta check that out, because I know that they, um, they announced the starting roster and... I think yeah, Ken is supposed to get some new moves or something. Yeah, Ken's got... Uh, he his level 3 super is kind of a fun one because it's a combination of his Shinryu Ken and Shinryu Rafa. Uh, wow. Uh, he has uh, these... like He has like a normal special move called, that are like sections of his Shippujin Raikyaku that he can do that's kind of like bridging the gap between that and his like Street Fighter 2 crazy kicks. So he has, he has some new special moves. His uh, air tatsu is a little wild now because it uh, has a lot more uh, aerial coverage than it used to. Uh, which is to say, like, you know, usually the air tatsus, since, like, uh, Super Street Fighter 2 onward, they don't, you don't stay in the air very long. They don't actually slow your descent very much. The videos they've shown of him, he has, like, this... Uh, he actually has a lot of lateral mid-air lateral reach uh, via his air tatsu. It's very strange looking. Because okay. it sort of looks like uh, his air tatsu is from like Championship Edition, where like he barely lost any height from them. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, he looks like a lot of fun. Now, which Street Fighter 2 would let you jump kick into Flying Hurricane Kick? 
Uh, that, was, that was really cheap. And I used to that's do it all gotta the time. be like champion. That can't be far in. That's either. I like think it's the Genesis version. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, so it's like special champion edition, which again, champion edition and turbo, one of those two. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then there was one, so Ken and Ryo did not have the air hurricane kick to start with. Then they got it, and then I think it was taken away in one of the entries. Or that something. might be the case. Uh, I would have to. Uh, I would have to look because like yeah. the granular differences between Street Fighter Two entries are somewhat lost on me. Yeah, me too. I mostly played uh, like in the past twenty years. I've mostly just played Super Turbo. Um, but yeah, uh, also I wanted to bring up about Street Fighter Six because it's incredible. Um, you have the ability to play other games in the lobbies. Huh? Like you can just play other arcade games in the lobbies between matches of Street Fighter Six. That sounds awesome. <laughs> like they they seem. I think they announced like Mega Man: The Power Battles and Final Fight, and like possibly a rotating roster of just things you can play. In the lobbies between Street Fighter Six matches, it, it sounds like somebody was enjoying all the Game Center stuff in Yakuza and decided to do. Yeah, no, I, I honestly think that's awesome because it's a piece of the fighting game atmosphere that has been lost, which is the idea of like you're going to cool off by playing a different game. So they get the chance to sort of reach into their like deep legacy as Capcom and bring back that bit of like arcade nostalgia, which. Uh, since the online lobby system's like visual metaphor is an arcade, it makes perfect sense to have that as an option. Well, that story mode sounds very promising. You make a oh, character and you learn new fun. moves. Yeah. And you can use those moves to explore because they show someone using a spinning bird kick to fly from one area to another. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that game looks like the best way I could describe it is that someone at Capcom. Uh, developed some sense of like no street fighter needs to be the most the best and most fighting game in the world well it sounds like they actually want it to be fun this time because five, five always felt fun. like five was okay but it always felt like it was geared more towards super high level oh. players that's all that it's one of those wrong. things where they very much took to heart the criticisms of Five when it launched that it wasn't feature rich enough. So now, like they've gone to like Alpha Three home port level of feature density. Yeah, well that's good though. Yeah, no, that's not me complaining. I don't want to play online with strangers and have them teabag me and taunt me and make me they not also, want to play over again. They also showed like a casual like mode to go along with the like modern controls, like the more casual controls they added. An extreme battle mode where there's just stage hazards. And they showed things like a Mega Man Metool wandering across the stage and someone getting comboed into it. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. Street Fighter Six looks really cool. Um, Wheels is still not done and we don't have we don't have all the time in the world. Guys, what have you been playing? No, we can keep we can keep doing the podcast while I do this. It's fine. <laughs> well, I've got two games going on right now. Do tell. Yep, so one of them is Trinity Trigger. Oh, nice. Recently announced for English localization. Is, let's see, Verdict is still out on this one because it's fun, but at the same time, I'm thinking somebody needed to learn how to write a better plot. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, no, the, the, uh, 
I mean, the basic ideas are good, it's just the delivery is a little uneven, and I counted at least two plot points and a big reveal that could have been handled in a better way so far. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the dice you roll with Buddha. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, the other game is... Um, was it the out? Oh, what was the actual title here? The Outbound Ghost. Hmm. Well, I saw you playing that is... before. <laughs> yep, it's on Jealous. Steam. It's on Steam, and it looks like somebody really enjoyed Paper Mario at some point in their youth. I mean, can't blame them. Yep, because did it you fix it, Wheels? Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, this Sorry. is definitely, definitely based <laughs> on. <laughs> Um, best kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Wheels is and, probably uh, gonna start stopping soon. Um. And I say the the developer really liked Paper Mario when he was young. That wasn't too long ago, apparently, because he's like only twenty two years old now. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of kids played a lot of Paper Mario. This... Yeah, and this is a better Maybe. game than quite a few I've played in the past year. Uh. Fair enough. Always good when that happens. Uh, so yeah, uh, that sounds like something that might have showed up on, might be about to, or showed up on Switch at some point. So maybe we'll take a look. Um, let's see. It released like two days early this Wednesday. Yeah, it's <laughs> due for Steam later this, or not Steam, due for uh, Switch later this year, I believe. Maybe I'll give it a look then. Yeah. If I'm done with all these fucking Trails games by then. Oh, uh, so, so never mind then. <laughs> I am making good progress, but we'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, Joe, what have you been playing? Well, um, today for some reason I decided to play the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 open beta. Okay, I'm going to go about, to sleep right now. You go ahead. I know. After about an hour of that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not spending $70 on this. It, It is what it is. Either you like it or you don't it's Call at this of Duty. point. Right. The, so the concept was, of a Call of Duty beta feels silly at this stage just because it's like, yep, everyone knows what this is. Yep. So it was fine. Um, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. Um... I've been dabbling in a few games here and there, but um, I'm still doing my ongoing Dark Souls 2 Scholar of the First Sin streaming. I did part seven yesterday, and I am now through Drangliac Castle, and I got the king's symbol, mm. so now I can go through those other doors. So I think that's like the halfway point of the game. I got to go up and fight the, you know, go up into the dragon area and whatnot. So, um, that's what I've been doing on my Twitch channel anyways, and that is smokingjoe86 at, you know, dot twitch.tv, whatever. SM0... Uh, K1NJ0E. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> gotta make sure that... Uh, yeah, someday I've gotta come up with a better name or a better spelling, I don't know. We'll see. Um... <sighs> I think I, I think I told you guys already I did make it to Chapter 8 in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Getting far along. So, 
should be close to the end and um i think there may be a connection to the first game coming up soon because there's a few things that just seemed interesting a few yep, more details there is <laughs> when you fight malos he all of his special moves start with the word monado and he just keeps yelling monado thrust monado so i'm like oh okay Seems so kind of monotonous that. yeah so there's that, and no, I no, no, nothing else since you know last time I was on here on you know on whatever I talked about on Sunday and Wednesday. It's what I'm still playing, I'm sure. So gotcha. Um, Wheels, are you still battling with the beast, or are you able to at least say what you've been playing? I can say what I've been playing. Uh, <laughs> So last week, I got the Steam Deck in because uh, I got my email. Was it last Monday? Where it's, it's uh, your Steam Deck is ready. You have two days to pay, which is uh, fine. I used to have like an old work laptop I used for like a gaming piece uh, laptop that uh, died a horrible death. So uh, I was like, okay, fine, I'll get this thing. <laughs> Uh, so I've been messing around with it since Saturday uh, to mixed results. And I can talk about some... just had to reformat it twice. <laughs> just once. Just once. Uh, so I got the base model, which only has like 64 gigabytes internal memory, but you're mostly just going to use an SD card. Yeah, it's a deeply silly amount of memory to yeah. have even at that point. <laughs> So it was like, okay, you know, the first things I'm going to do, I'm going to try and set up some emulators. I wanted to play Saturn games on it. So I downloaded something called Emudeck, right? Which seems to be what people use, yeah. Yeah, because it's supposed to be a program where it just downloads and sets up the emulators for you. Sounds it's, great. It's basically retro-specific. Yeah. So ran the installer for that. lets you pick where to install uh, SD card or internal memory. Obviously picked SD card. Um, let that run. It finished. And then I got an error, a message about low disk space. It's just like, huh. That's weird. So I started poking around and realized that A, it, it either downloaded and didn't remove temporary files during install on Great my work. internal memory, or it just installed on the internal memory. And also... It just downloaded all the emulators. It's not a program. It wasn't a program at all that lets you pick which ones you want to use. It just downloaded front end. every fucking emulator. Because I found a folder full of them, like MAME and all this shit. And I'm just like, what? Here's, the here's fuck? the favorite Commodore 64 emulator. So I tried cleaning those up, and, and eventually the OS froze. So I tried to restart, and it just... It was stuck, so it's just like, well, I just completely borked something here. So I had to reinstall the OS. So I went to look up instructions for that, and it's like, okay, you know, just burn a disk image to a USB drive, pretty standard, and realized, um, oh, there's no USB port on this thing, and the third-party dock I had ordered hadn't come in yet. So I'm like, okay, well, that's not good. So I Incredible. looked around and trying to figure out what else I had sitting around, what I could use. And I was like, 
the dock for my work laptop is just like a USB-C dock. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this will work. And of course it did. So Good. Uh, I set that up, connected it to that, used the disk image, reinstalled the OS, which took a while. That was great. So I had already like resigned myself to the fact that, well, I'm not going to play Destiny on this thing anytime in the near future other than like remote play or streaming. So whatever, that's fine. Um, however, I found out that using something called Windows to Go, you can install Windows on an SD card and just restart the Steam Deck. Uh, on that and you can switch between both os's because if you actually want to go and install windows on the internal os you have to replace steam os because there's no like dual boot option which is for a pc device is fucking stupid (laughs) so messed around with that uh, other than the fact that it started in portrait mode it was actually (laughs) pretty easy to set up Except if you want to play anything that's not a Steam game, because it will not have any idea what the buttons you're pressing are. Because I tried to play Yakuza Like a Dragon and <laughs> had no controls. So I, I guess you can just like add games as like non-Steam games. Yeah, that is the thing you can do in regular Steam as well. Yeah, and that will work, except that games installed from the Game Pass or the Microsoft Store can't be easily added to Steam that way. So it's just like, it's like a comedy of errors with this thing sometimes. Uh, it's, uh, if you heard PC gaming handheld, it's uh, providing the full experience. Yes, it sure is. Uh, that said, I would like to say some of the good things about it, but let me go keep going through mm-hmm. some of the bad. Um, <laughs> well, this- I just wanted to, I mentioned this already on Discord, but you can just run RetroArch through Steam now, and then you can download each of the cores as a DLC. So. Yes, I realize that now, but, you know. Okay. All right, I'm going to remote play. Hey, dollar I'm going to remote play Elden Ring from the Steam Deck. Because <laughs> fuck it, why not? wrong with you? Okay, anyway. Uh, so anyway, as I was saying, yes. Um, what was I saying? You were going to get on to the good oh, things. Oh, yes. Oh, first, let me finish the, the bad. bad no, no, I'm, I'm going to end with all the good things. So let's continue oh, with the bad. Okay. Uh, this is the fucking Duke of portable systems. Uh, yeah, it's it's comfortable to hold. It's, it's not too bad. But it is a fucking beast. It's not small. No, no. It's like, it's like Daddy Links. <laughs> it's it's oh the fucking Daddy Links. It's Wii U gamepad. <laughs> kind of yes. Uh, it big. Um, which is you know whatever. It's fine. Um, Don't expect to. You're gonna need to have like a carrying case just for this that slings over your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe not, but here, I can. No one listening is able to see this, but I'm just going to hold up this giant case that is easily covers up like most of the camera. It's fucking big. It's big. It's a big boy. 
This is thrilling content for the yes. audio listeners. <laughs> I am enthralled. Uh, let's see, other pads. Wow. It has it has two track pads, one on the right, one on the left. This is this is just a purgatory of like what on earth were you thinking? I am I'm not clear on what the purpose of the left one is. Maybe you can like switch it around so that like the left one you actually, you know, uses controls the mouse, but not by default. By default it doesn't. Sure doesn't. Uh if you're in like desktop mode, because obviously it's Linux, you can switch to de- desktop mode. Um it um pressing it in functions as right click. Which is weird. Yeah, I don't um could you just do a different version of Linux if you wanted to, like Ubuntu or whatever? You probably could, what? but it probably I mean, would be compatible with any fucking game. But <laughs> like why why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> I'm just like curious. <laughs> like tech yes, it's it's, it's a little PC computer hardware. Yeah, so it's yeah. PC. It's, yes, technically speaking you can do that, but it it's like well I don't understand why you would go from a a custom build of Linux custom, perfect. A custom build of Linux meant for gaming. Yes, meant for not just meant for gaming, meant for gaming on this device. Okay. To go to a <laughs> version of linux not optimized for this device so yes technically you can do that i don't know awful things about steam os in the past that's all i mean it's customized for this you're not going to get better out of an os that wasn't customized for okay for those waiting for those listening at home uh time stamp now because wheels has just finally gotten a game to start playing yes Yes, not note that I'm remote playing. Remote playing because I can't get Absolutely the fucking limited. video out to work to my Elgato. Most, I'm just saying, like, if you wanted the portable PC experience, you got it, warts and all. I can output the fucking PSP to the Elgato with no issues. I'm just saying, the like, PSP. that is the gaming experience. Like everything seems the... like it should work, and then it explodes. Did you get the official dock, or is this your Dell thing? The official dock is not out. That's that's no. another negative we should not know. yet. <laughs> the official oh, dock man. is not available. Also, it's a it's a dock. There should not be that much going on yeah. there. Yeah, it's it's just like USB C dock at this point is just a generic thing. Yeah, like I mean. Like the switch dock is like it's just a custom designed USB C dock. Apparently, like you can, I didn't even realize this. Like even with the switch, like any USB C dock should work. Yeah, like there's theoretically concerns with the switch because it was like devised before USB C was fully standardized. But anything USB C compliant is probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> so like I don't. I can only assume that the reason the official dock isn't out yet is that their like manufacturing targets aren't where they want it, so they don't want to, in terms of the Steam Deck itself, so they don't want to be putting pulling any manufacturing just to do like, here's yeah. our branded dock. Yeah, but the fact that I just took two different USB-C docks, including one from a Dell laptop, and not just like this third-party thing I got off of Amazon, that's probably like a super basic USB-C dock. Mm-hmm. Like this, I'm gonna, again. 
visual in a audio format. Hold up my giant brick of a Dell dock. Like this, this ain't thing ain't no slouch. You should work I'm fine through that. Okay. I can't get the goddamn video out to work. It's not good. Okay, let's talk about the positives though, because there are a lot of positives. Um, the first. Well, actually, let's let's talk about a few more negatives first, okay? Because uh, <laughs> if you if you want to get one of these things, which obviously lots of people do, I implore you to know what you're getting in, what you're getting into, what will work, what will not. Wait, what you're getting yourself into? Yes, if you're not con- comfortable messing around with like gaming on a computer, do not buy this fucking thing. Don't. Don't do it. If you want an experience of like plug and play, this is not it. Uh, granted, it's like not a console level yeah. experience. This like if you're playing like only things deck verified, you're gonna get close to that, which is fine. But I guarantee you, if you spend the money on this thing, you're gonna want to try and play some things that don't have that little green check mark. Also, sometimes things that are deck verified run poorly anyway. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So. Uh, know know what you're getting into, okay? Uh, see what works, see what doesn't. Um, like I did. You have something your heart is set on playing on it. Maybe look up how people, how much work people are having to put in to get it running, and yeah. how well it runs when they do. And, and also, <laughs> I if you if you say, well, I don't really care what they have, you know, verified in their Linux OS. I'm just going to install Windows. I assure you that that is a stupid idea. <laughs> This thing is that not provides a lot of additional overhead and issues. Yes, I assure you that Windows is not designed to run this thing completely optimally. Um, assure you. Like there, there. No matter how you go about it, like you'll get a very nice piece of hardware, a very powerful one that will also. You're going to have to deal with headaches. Like that's just it's the PC gaming experience. <laughs> It's starting to sound like how my dad would warn me against getting a Volkswagen when I was younger. Well, it's like, it's a fun fun car. It's very useful, but oh, you're going to have to get used to fixing it. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about some of the positives, though, okay? Okay, Um, sure. There are a ton of games that run very well on it and shockingly well, like... It's a very powerful little piece of hardware. Like I'm playing Elden Ring on it right now, streaming, and on it's running on like high graphics, and it's 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 running pretty well. That I honest good. I honestly think this probably. is running better than it might on my desktop computer. Like, it's probably running at least as well as it does on PS4. Yeah. And not only that, it's running through Linux. And that's kind of the impressive thing here. And I think something, anyone that would like to play games on an OS that is not Windows should be excited by what Valve is doing with Proton here. Because uh, I have messed around with playing games through like Wine and stuff over the years. And it's been like an utter crapshoot. That is a parade of heartaches. Yes. And the. And what I've seen playing on this thing in Linux OS and how well it all works is honestly incredible. 
Uh, one thing. Okay. And granted, that's because you know they're selling these things and they have the money to put in that development. But uh, I guarantee you, the like Proton getting all these improvements will bleed over to you know you just running Linux on your desktop and wanting to play some games on it. The one thing I will say though is that some of the tricks that they're using to get things running efficiently on Steam Deck seem like they're uh, difficult to transfer over and may in fact be designed specifically to make it harder to transfer them over. That's weird. It, it, it does all sorts of weird, like, it has some weird shit that it's downloading for games in order to try to get them to run a little better. And, uh, yeah, I don't, like, the, the story The story of Linux Linux derivatives lives are essentially and really a lot of like corporations getting involved in uh, semi-open open source or semi-open software is that uh, everyone's buddy to, buddy to share and right up until the point where they uh, control enough of the market that they can just decide not to. Mm-hmm. I think a lot about uh, the OS market and Chromium. <laughs> yeah. About OS. Uh, web browser market yeah. and Chromium. Where essentially the second that uh, Google got a controlling portion of that market, they just fucked over literally everyone. I mean, yeah, I get that. But at the same time, <laughs> if this is going to be like people just playing Steam on other devices, I think... You might see some, some payoff there. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, if... If you're, if you if you're worried about like performance of a lot of games on this, I wouldn't. It it runs a lot of stuff well. Like I've played this. I've played Lightning Returns on here, which is notoriously not a great PC port, and it I haven't had any issues. It's so very, far. very poorly optimized. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, yeah, it's worth looking into. The, but of course, as as with all PC gaming, you'll run into things that. Uh, should work and don't. Uh, yeah. Just I remember I was looking up like Sonic Generations and explicably runs like shit. It's just that's like why? Yeah. So it's just one of those things like you know keep an eye out for what you're actually intending to play, not just yeah. And you know don't rule out things because like a lot of things do run well on this, yeah. and some of them will probably be will probably eventually be made to run well. Yeah. Um, but, I'd say. If the type of thing you're looking for is, and uh, Logitech's stupid device made me kind of think of this, is if if you were thinking of like at some point getting like an Android tablet to play like emulators and stuff on and mess around with things like that, Mm -hmm. uh, a good tablet like that is going to run you like the price of like the base Steam Deck model. And this this is a much better device for that. For sure. The thing that would tempt me into a Steam Deck is PS2 and Saturn emulation. Yeah. There's I'm a very sh- decent chance that I would just never play a Steam game other than maybe Trails. Yeah. But I'm sure Saturn emulation works good. I'm not sure about PS2. I'll have to, to mess around with that. I'm but... given to understand PS2 works out pretty well. Oh, it's nice. definitely powerful enough to run it well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a great hobbyist device for a lot of different things. Um, a switch killer it is not it shits the switch shits all the fuck all over this thing sorry 
but it doesn't always have the games that you want. So want if yeah. there's like a recent like PS4 caliber game that you've been wanting to play portably, this might be your option. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, just keep in mind there's going to be lots of things that weirdly don't work. Like you can play Knights of the Old Republic on your Switch. <laughs> it is not listed as not supported on the Steam Deck. And if, even if you could, like, uh, that game, the, I don't think KOTOR 1 ever had controller support patched in, so it would be a nightmare to play on yep. the deck. Uh, KOTOR 2 might work, though. But that might also I be think, not verified. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's verified, but I think it is listed as playable. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, you're, you're going to have to caveat MTOR, basically. Yeah. But, now I need to rant about trails if you're done. <laughs> uh, well, I can talk about some actual games, maybe. That's not Other than gaming hardware. Um, taking a brief break from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I just needed to... I got to a, a boss fight where... Um, um, imagine... Contextualize. Are you playing on hard mode? Yes. But this boss fight is definitely hard, regardless of difficulty setting. Uh, so imagine, um, imagine you know, like, um, say, like Xenoblade Chronicles two, uh, or no, one, because one had like the mech guys. What am I trying to say here? I'm in a boss fight where you're fighting two giant, two people and giant mechs at the same time. Rude. Yeah, it's rude, and um, yeah, it's really hard. Because they mm-hmm. both hit like trucks, and you have to fight them both at the same time, and trying to just take one of them down is—it's yeah, it's not going well. It's not—it's not going well. So yeah, there's that. They needed a break. They needed a break, so I've just been messing around playing some other things. So I have been playing some Trails in the Sky. Ah, uh, look at the Trails in the Sky. Uh, I'm in chapter three. Uh, looking for some lost professor in a tower, and oh, good old just got a, to a boss fight against like three ninja-looking dudes that wrecked me because I forgot oh. to heal up. Oh wait, they... no, I know exactly. Who you're yeah, about. so uh, that's where I am, and yeah, it's about all I got right now. So other than that, the only I've only just been playing some Fortnite because the new season just launched. And oh, um, yeah. it has a. You play yeah. that on your Steam Deck? No, you can't. Sure <laughs> oh, can't. Oh yeah, it's not the Game Store game. Sure can't. That's... Oh yeah, that's probably that's... gone to a great deal of trouble to make that not work. Oh no, that's the other thing. Um, you can. There's something called Heroic Launcher you can download. Uh, just through like the base when you switch to desktop mode on the deck. There's like a little mm-hmm. app thing, Linux appy thing where you can download stuff and it's right in there. And that will let you sign into GOG and Epic Game Store and download your games from those. And that works fine. Uh, but Fortnite just won't work because of the anti-cheat stuff, obviously. Uh, of course. But yeah, I would would never bother to try it on there anyway because I can just play it on my Switch. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anything else you're playing? I'm playing Elden Ring right now, and I was led to believe that the samurai was like easy mode, and everything is just a really relative term, buddy. 
Well, he has a buckler, so unless you're really good at dodging, I wouldn't try to block any. You know what I mean? Like, well, who starts with a good shield? No it's one. Fucking guess. Let's say it's Elden Ring. Do you really think there think there's such a thing as an easy mode? Yes. You were playing no, easy mode on the PlayStation. You picked the uh, sorcerer, didn't you? But you still have to not die. Thanks, Pew. Thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, you're getting essentially exactly the response you deserve. Uh, now, Samurai's got a good katana and good armor, but he doesn't have a good shield. And um, I out of arrows. Uh, oh, I didn't even know I actually had a. Why would you think that they had infinite arrows? What kind of game do you think you're playing? I didn't see the <laughs> ammo counter before. How do you switch to two-handed mode? Uh, triangle. Know, playing on a Steam Deck. Why or triangle? Fri triangle. <laughs> Whatever takes up the top quadrant of those. <laughs> no, it's not working. It's not fucking working. Well, then okay. it's something else. Uh, whatever. I'm gonna Left talk about on the D-pad. Okay. All right. Now I'm all done. Okay, I'm gonna just quit this game. No. Making a I'm wizard. Talk about. Don't talk about trails because that's better than whatever deprived. you're playing. I'm not making it oh. deprived. The fuck okay, I'm officially done with this conversation. Um, <laughs> so, since last week, I finished Trails in the Sky second chapter. It's a really, it's a really strong ending that like ties up that story in a really satisfying fashion. Uh, it gave me emotions. I had fun. Uh, highly recommended. Uh, and then, because I can't stop, I went straight to Trails in the Sky the Third, which is not Trails in the Sky Third Chapter for a very good reason, because if you think of it as Trails in the Sky Third Chapter, you're going to be extremely disappointed because that's not what it is. Uh, so Trails in the Sky the Third has you playing as a secondary character from uh, second chapter who has been trapped in a dungeon. Uh, okay, I'm about to make the least relatable metaphor imaginable, or at least the least relatable comparison imaginable. Like, this will be useful to four people. This will be useful to four people who will instantly understand what I'm talking about. And then another 27 people will have, will understand the point I'm trying to make, but have no idea what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And then everyone else will be confused, because what I'm going to say is that uh, this game is structured like if Persona 3 The Answer was not the worst game you'd ever play. <laughs> so, anyone in here understand what that means? Mm -mm. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. Okay. <laughs> so, for those who weren't aware, Persona 3 The Answer was an update added to Persona 3 uh the fast version, it was cut out of Persona 3 Portable. Uh, it was an epilogue scenario where the party all got back together and they sort of like hashed out the... Theoretically, the idea was that they were hashing out the ramifications of the ending of Persona 3. But there was... Uh, and, you know, it cut out like all the town exploration element. You were just uh, going through a dungeon and getting star scenes. Structurally, that is kind of what Trails in the Sky the Third is doing. You don't. You are not exploring the. You, you are seeing like sections of dungeons and towns that you saw in the primary games, but it's all dungeon exploration as far as the game is concerned. 
and it's all the party like exploring the ramifications of how the world has changed since the end of the second chapter, as well as like this new throne that they've been thrust into. The difference uh, is, I mean, as they say, the devil's in the details. It's all in the execution. This is a really, really good game. Um, like it, you have to, you know, it's reliant on that investment that you already have because it's assuming quite reasonably that you played through Trails in the Sky and Trails in the Sky second chapter and that you care about these characters. So it's not going to sit here and explain to you what any of these people are, what they're doing. And it's going to thrust you into a lot of scenarios where you're like, here's a memory of what they've been doing since Trails in the Sky second chapter. And it's like setting up seeds for plots that they can pick up later and filling out lore. It has honestly one of my like there was this long section of text that I opened up that was some of my favorite writing I've seen in the series, but it's all just a lore dump. Because uh, it's talking like it, one thing I, I appreciate about trends is that like at least forty percent of JRPGs have an evil church. That's just that's just how they function. It's just it's just what happens. Trails in the Sky, the uh, Church of Idios, uh, the Septian Church, as it's called, uh, is fascinating to me because it's maybe the only JRPG church I've ever seen that has a functional, uh, like, political organization and internal structure and internal religious dogma debates. There is hmm. an artifact that is referenced in this game where it's like yeah so this thing caused a big disaster and it got recovered and then it was so powerful that like it can't like religious dogma says that it can't have come from anywhere but the goddess but at the same time what it does is so horrible it's hard to square away the idea that the goddess would have made it and so there's like internal debates within the, this like septian church about what is this thing what are its theological implications? <laughs> and it's like, that is not the kind of like thought that gets put into organizations and how they function in most JRPGs. But because Trails has so much text and lore, they actually sat down and thought about how this place functions as an organization. Hmm. And that's worth a lot. Like that's that's kind of like what makes the game so good in a nutshell is that like if you keep poking away at something, it it's very hard to find the spots where it's just like it's just like that. Like it's just like that because it needs to be. It's like, no, if you keep poking away at it, you will find fairly reasonable justifications for why things are the way they are. And that was just one of those ones that stuck out to me because it's like, oh, most JRPGs with a church are either Dragon Quest, where it just kind of exists and doesn't really do that much, or it exists and it is actually a tool of some ancient evil to do something completely outlandish and nonsensical. Uh, so, you know, really, really impressed with that. Uh, but yeah, I'm like four, I'm on chapter four. There, there's a prologue, as always there is. So technically the fifth chapter of, like, oh. eight. Uh, sorry, I got it. Step out. I got somebody at the door. Gotcha. But yeah, I'm on the, on the fourth chapter of, like, eight. Um, as a, like, 
fan service game, this game has a lot of just content that's just yeah. like, here's what characters are doing when the world is not in intense peril. Hmm. Um, so, like, uh, you get to see, uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I'm trying to avoid spoiling anything, uh, so I can't really name a lot of specifics, but it's just like, here's a, like, uh, social function that was held in the wake of second chapter because, like, once everything resolved itself there, there was, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, there was a cause to celebrate, so to speak. Uh, so, like, you'll open up a... There, there's these things in the game. There are sun, sun doors, moon doors, and star doors. Uh, sun doors are little vignettes that have a minigame attached. So, like, there's one of them is a turret minigame for some reason. One of them is an arena minigame. One of them is probably a fishing minigame. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, and then there are, uh, there are moon doors, which have really long uh, sub-scenarios in them that star, like, a secondary character from first to second chapter. Uh, there, there are things like, how did this character end up here? Here, play like an hour and a, like an hour and a half or two hour scenario that's explaining what they've been doing, like how they got there and what they were doing. Uh, and then there's just an ungodly number of star doors, which are like uh, I think there's like sixteen of the damn things. It's it's a lot, but uh, they they have like smaller than the moon door scenarios, but scenarios that are just like here's what this character's been doing. And by, like, the game describes them as, oh, these are short scenarios. And it's like, by that we mean sometimes you're going to be sitting, like, essentially sitting and reading text for an hour. So you've got you've to understand what you're getting into when you open up one of these doors. Like, you're going to be here a while. But, <laughs> you know, it, for the audience it's meant for, which is to say people who play first chapter and second chapter to completion and want to see what... Uh, where where those characters are going, they want more insight into particularly this this protagonist who uh, is an ongoing secondary character throughout second chapter and does a lot of very important things in this plot, but is pr probably the most uh, the, the least gone into uh, quite quite clearly on purpose uh, character in uh, second chapter's uh, cast. You know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a good story. It's intriguing. The, uh, the only thing I'll say is that it's actually like weirdly harder than first or second chapter, like significantly, I would say. Mm. Um, it's, it's very likely that you're going to uh, get your ass beat very quickly if you're not, if you're just going through the motions. Uh, even like it, it's a game where you can feel weak despite starting at level 90. Um, hmm. uh, just because of some of the things that uh, some of the things it takes away from you, some of the additional wrinkles that it adds, and just uh, generally enemies are just stronger. Like they they have they're they're more likely to guard or uh, use meaner uh, sometimes instant kill attacks, like that sort of thing. They're they're just you know. It's just generally a, a balanced to be harder game. It's not. It's not hard, hard, but it is significantly harder than second chapter. I would say. Um, 
And that's not helped by the fact that uh, it, it takes a while for you to build up a proper party because uh, the gimmick of, the, of this section is that you're in this one dungeon and characters are being uh, pulled into it as the game is going on. So uh, I'm trying to be as vague as possible to avoid spoiling anything. But uh, so like it takes a while, like especially early on, the game is very specifically trying to populate your party with characters who got less focus in second chapter so that they have some time in the spotlight before like you get say Estelle or Joshua in your party because boy howdy they've had a lot to say uh, so yeah uh, I, I, I'm extremely impressed with it uh, the soundtracks continue to get better the uh, uh, it, it's just really good it's really good everyone everyone, drop what you're playing go play through Trails games and over uh, I will not be done by the time that uh, Trails from Zero, which just got reviewed uh, quite positively, as I recall. Uh, I will not be done by the time that that has reached me, but I'll probably be relatively close because I am uh, just absolutely uh, going at this like there's no tomorrow. Nice. Let's see. Let me look at this. What did... Yep, four and a half out of five for Trails from Zero. Unsurprising. But, Possibly a game of the year, RPG of the year contender. Yep, people people seem quite high on it. Like the the crossbell games are uh, beloved even by the uh, even within the fandom. So it's good to see those uh, come out. So yeah, uh, extremely excited to play that, and then probably take a short break from Trials uh, and play. I don't know. Legend of Heroes 3, 4, and 5. Uh, You're a glutton for tech stumps. Or Cold Steel. No, I can't play that until I finish Trails to Azure. Oh, you're right. Damn it. Like, why would you think that I would do those out of order? The whole point of waiting mm -hmm. this long to play these damn things was to be able to play them in order. Like... It might not be a good method, but there is a method to my madness. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been going well. Uh, apparently they just announced a uh, Cold Steel branded anime in Japan, and that does not seem to be an adaptation of the game, just from what I've seen uh, from the previews. So that's wild. The only prior uh, animated Trails content was an extremely bad OVA uh, based on second chapter. Don't watch that. It's bad. And it doesn't even finish it. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, do, do play Trails in the Sky. It's very, very good. Um, have I been playing anything else? Um, I'm now mooching off of Wheels's, uh Nintendo Switch uh, online family plan, which means that now I can play N64 games on my Switch. Maybe I'll play some of that. Nice. <laughs> Golden, uh, do, 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 do. Golden guy. Imagine being the kind of person that names your home and ends up naming it something like GoldenEye. <laughs> That's straight up just what fucking... Forgetting his fucking name. James Bond author, he named his estate GoldenEye. Seriously? Where that name came from. Yeah. What the fuck? 
Yeah, Ian Fleming. That sounds like something Fleming would do. Yeah, Fleming seems like a person who ended up uh, becoming an author as much because he just liked coining terms and needed an excuse to do that. Hmm. I seem to recall that the fucking short story, uh, original short story, Quantum of Solace, was basically just an excuse to use that phrase. <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. The, the literal opposite of, of uh, killing your word babies. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's what I've been playing. Uh, if Trails in the Sky gets a uh, further port in the future, be sure to pick it up. Uh, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that... Uh, that a switch port of that ends up happening, which feels like it's inevitable, and of course, in America, it will never happen because of the tangled XC uh, owns the localization, but is no longer interested in dealing with the series uh, issue. But, and who are you going to get to translate that much text again? Oh, there would there would be zero point in retranslating it. It would be just the dumbest thing imaginable. The only thing that could potentially happen is that, like, eventually some combination of Falcom and Nisa convinced them to sell the script, the rights to the script. Uh, it would be cheaper than know. trying to do it again, for sure. Yeah. Cheaper and take less time, which... Oh, God. Even with litigation, oh, yeah. it would take less time. I, I, need to, I need to also bring up the other dumb thing that happened. Uh, that happened. So, uh, localizers decided to... Uh, like, infamously decided to get real stupid with the Trails games, and uh, took a string that was inexplicably repeated in the original dozens, hundreds of times, uh, that basically just told you that a treasure chest was empty, and replaced every instance of those hmm. with, some, with something stupider. Um, okay. So, like, like uh, for, for those not... Uh, aware of what I'm talking about. When you check a treasure chest in Trails in the Sky, in the Japanese version, it will say something to the effect of the chest is already empty. Inexplicably, that's not all pointing to one piece of text. It's not just like all of them are referencing one piece of text. It is individual to every chest, a string that says, uh, like, it's the same string. It just says that the chest is empty, but it's a different string every time. Anyone who has ever programmed anything is cringing right now. Because that is profoundly wasteful and honestly dangerous. <laughs> I, I have looked upon the actual raw text dump from Romancing Saga 2, and this still sounds worse. It's, it's nonsensical. It's, I have no idea why they did it. But the localizers were like, well, that's free real estate, and so filled it with other stuff. Hmm. Um, and got progressively weirder as time went on. Well, what, like individualized uh, in, this chest is empty messages? Uh, it started as that. <laughs> oh, oh no. At first, it was like different ways of expressing that the chest was empty. Then in second chapter, it started turning into weird shit posts. And then okay. in the third, they've become really weird long-form shit posts. There are, there is a 36 text box uh, like short story that has been written 
and scattered across the game in anachronic order within treasure chests. This is starting to sound more like um, Shut Up and Jam Gaiden's save points. Kind of? Uh, so, yeah, like, there, there's that 30... The 36-part the Trails in the Chest is a thing that I have found, I think, about half of at this stage. <laughs> and every part is numbered. Like, it'll say, like, this is part, like, 7 of 32 or whatever. And they are telling a story, but I can't quite tell what it is yet because I don't have enough contiguous parts to piece it together yet. But they're, they're oh. there. Someone, someone wrote that. Um, there's uh, Sometimes it's like because Trails the Third is kind of a uh, celebration game, there's some stuff that's just them talking about the localization where it's like, yeah, this character was bre was originally known as this uh, by this other name early in the localization uh, process. Another character almost had their name changed, but uh, cooler heads prevailed, and they were left with their final name. Like just that kind of stuff is in there. There's uh, in se second chapter. There's just like a one of my favorites was uh, let's just take all of the typos that have been found in this localization and put them in here. Uh, but yeah, it's as of Trails in the Sky the Third, the, the chests have gone completely insane. Um, and you know, it sometimes it really will just be hmm? meta chest duel, yeah, ex extremely. Uh, and sometimes they will still just be making jokes about the fact that you already opened the chest. It's like, uh, surprise, it's empty, but you knew that already, like that sort of thing, but. They've gotten extremely weird, uh, and so uh, there's. I don't think there's a point at this. A, I don't think there is a single chest at this point that I will not be like doubling back to read a second to check a second time just to see what's in there because it's weird. the The thing that finally killed this uh, tradition was that I believe, as of Cold Steel, they finally internally stopped assigning a different uh, string to every emptied chest, so this could no longer exist. But it, it'll get its swan song in Trails from Zero and Trails to Azure because uh, one of the XSeed localizers who left XSeed apparently wrote text, chest text for the fan translation that is the basis of the new translation. So that's oh, no. fun. Uh, so yeah, everyone play Trails games. Okay. <laughs> Do it. Do it now. We'll wait. You're not I doing have, it now. I have too little time as it sure. is. <laughs> but yeah, I, sh I should be able to make... I should be able to get through uh, Trails from Zero probably by November. And then at that point, I'll uh, be able to give myself a short break because uh, Trails to Azure doesn't come out until early 2023 here. Then after that, then I will be in hell because I will have to do uh, Trails to Azure, Trails from Cold Steel 1 through 4 and hope that by that point Trails into Reverie isn't out in English yet. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna die. Um,
that I'm making good progress. I'm making good progress. Uh, I'm sure that there are the occasional, some of our occasional guests will be happy to hear about this. Sure. But yeah, um, that's uh, that's what I've been playing. Let's see, uh, I wanted to hit a question that we actually got in the comment section. I think uh, a few of our uh, comment section questioners have decided to take the fact that I was referencing that we don't get uh, questions in the comments anymore uh, as a challenge. Sweet. Um, so we got one on two seventy four from Crawl. I was, I New had games are exciting, obviously. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay, yeah. but he says, New games are exciting, obviously, but do you ever dread having to go through an hour or two of tutorials before the game really gets going? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Especially, especially if you're playing an RPG, because like a lot of RPGs are going to open with a lot of place setting, and I don't resent them for that. Like I love Persona 4 and 5, and those have hours of place setting at the start. Because you have to I remember care timing about what's Persona Four. I remember timing Persona Four is like an hour and four minutes before I got to a battle. Yeah, and that battle's basically fake anyway. <laughs> yeah. It was a really interesting hour though. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, is that like, you know, you can say all you want, like there's not much gameplay here, and it's like, yeah, but it's it, it's about like setting up the world, and if the world is well set up, then it's every moment of that hour is worth it. Yep. Uh, but you know, you also have to be in the right mood for that. Like, if if you try to like force yourself to sit through like an hour, an hour or two of world building when you are just wanting to play a game, you're gonna really resent that opening. Trails. Oh yeah, speaking of Persona, Persona Five in like a month. Yeah. Oh, we may have touched on this already, but. If you already have Persona 5 Royal on PS4, there is no upgrade path to the PS5 version. You must pay $60 to get it. Or, but your PS5 already plays it, so I really wouldn't bother. True. Or you just play on Game Pass for no additional cost. Wow. Or you play so on you a good system. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. they, what everyone that listens to the show knows, I'm they fucking have had it with Sony. Well, I I never beat Persona Five Royal. I beat the original, but not the Royal version. I'm like, but I don't want to start over. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll be picking up the Switch version because I've been begging for such a thing for approximately four years at this stage, and yeah. I don't think I picked up any of the DLC they're packing in anyway, so. Which is ignoring the fact that Persona 5 Royal already gave you all of the DLC that came with Persona 5 Vanilla, and then had a bunch of its own DLC, so. It's hmm? horrible. So much DLC. I mean, none of it matters. It's all just like, here's legacy costume packs, and it's like, I think that's cute and fun, but, I mean, if someone told me, like, I'm not getting the full experience, I would tell them that they were being a fool. <laughs> But yeah, um, but yeah. Get, getting back to this question, uh, favorite opening segments and the worst ones for games that ended up being great. Ooh, that's a tough one. Bad opening can really sour you on a game. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Uh, 
trying to think of games that like had a really bad opening that I ended up liking anyway. Because like I can think of games that had really bad openings, and then I kept playing them, and I was like, I was right, this sucks. How's uh, this for a bad opening? Um, one of the times that I played Skyrim, Alduin decided to just not <laughs> land. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, <laughs> well, the I mean, in in every single Bethesda game. I always make sure I have a save file right before, you know, you exit the vault or right before you get to redo your character so I don't have to go through the hour of gameplay up to that point, you know, where I don't have to sit in the back of the wagon, you know, in mm. Skyrim, yeah, so. And that's the thing. Most game companies are banking on the fact that people, that people will at least play the first 5% of the game probably, so... Gonna make yeah, look the best. That's why the latter half of the game tends to end up being. Yeah, I think, I think it's very rare to play a game where the uh, where the intro isn't one of, if not the most polished parts about it, just because everyone will see it. Oh, I, I did think of something though that kind of fits the answer. Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah, that yeah. does have kind of a long opening. Yeah. That has a long it opening, kind of and a you long can consider it to have had free... two years of long opening. <laughs> yeah, free to play until they literally ended the world. Free to play because it was so bad that no one would accept the idea of paying for it. <laughs> yep, so... Um, oh, I've thought count. of one that might be mildly controversial. I don't think the opening of Earthbound's very good. <laughs> opening of what? Okay. Earthbound. It's kind of I slow. Think, I think that, like, the first 20 minutes are pretty good, but then, like, when you get to 1-Up and Peaceful Rest Valley, like, those are not fun. I don't know. I just didn't like Earthbound. <laughs> I have learned to appreciate it. I think that there's a lot that's interesting about it, but that opening, like, when you're just wandering around with Ness, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And I, I get why it has to be that way. I get why it is that way, but man, it's, it is hard to. It was hard to get through. I had to make many, uh, several runs at it before I finally did and got to the parts of the game that I really did enjoy. But, uh, see, uh, speaking to the the earlier part of this question, I would say that like these aren't bad, but they are definitely like. I have to be in the right mood to do them, but the opening to any given Dragon Quest game that always involves, like, the early game grind, like, that that you definitely have to be in a mood for. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, bad opening is the just... gateway to good games. Dragon Quest 7. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm well, also good just... Point. Good point. Matt. I'm thinking of uh, Mass Effect 2. Because the opening that... is you're on the spaceship and all you're doing is like floating through space while the whole thing's falling apart and it's you cannot skip it. And then you've got to watch the whole cutscene where they have to find Shepard's DNA to bring them back to life. And I don't know. That had I don't know. That doesn't thing. take more than like three minutes, so it never really bothered me. All right. Uh... Bless him on Earth says, I never got past the first 30 minutes of Earthbound. Yeah, I know how that goes. It, yeah. took, me a lot of, it took me a lot of work to get through that. I got stuck in the first town a lot when uh, renting it back in the day. I would say that 
the the real hump is peaceful rest valley that place sucks and uh the worst part is that it can give you a status effect that uh basically like kills like kills a run because you're poisoned and all of your inputs are fucked up uh (laughs) and the only way to get rid of it it's like you have a mushroom on your head and the only way to get rid of it is to fucking go back to a hospital and it's it's obnoxious because you at that point you still just have ness and yeah but once you get past peace forest valley the game becomes interesting I wouldn't even say it becomes interesting. It's interesting before then, but the game becomes fun. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, trying to think. Uh, but yeah, like like those ones with the with the long meetups, like are are naturally going to be really polarizing. Uh, you know, it's it's all going to be um, uh, how well it hooked you in after like whether that lead-in felt justified by the end of it um, i'm also thinking of dark souls 3 there's people who couldn't like beat that, that first well there's people who couldn't beat that first boss and then didn't see the rest of the game you know? yeah just think that game sucks <laughs> dark souls 3 get the fuck out <laughs> It's not my favorite Dark Souls. It's my least favorite of the three, but it's still better than many other games I've played. It's better than Sekiro. I'd much rather play it than two, and honestly, might rather play it than one. You're yeah. a criminal. Um, uh, I'm sorry that I'm not a mage. <laughs> so, yeah, Ludex Gunthor, right? Or Gundir like Udex, yeah. Oops, <laughs> Ludex Gun. Where'd I get that from? Ah, uh, who knows. Um. Yeah, yeah, no, I was talking to somebody one day, and he's like, oh, I couldn't beat that first boss, and I ended up selling the game. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Hmm. It's a lot easier if you pick the Black Firebomb as your starting gift. Yeah, I just stabbed him. Um, yeah, I know, I was able to beat him, so. It was, it was not easy, game. I took several tries. But... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I think that game has the most interesting and thoughtful level design of the Dark Souls games. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, uh, I'm thinking of like other games with uh, like strong openings just in general. Uh, I always appreciated that the Wild Arms games made it kind of their like signature that like you each of your primary characters would have like a uh, mini adventure that sort of uh, showed what their life was typically like and how they got to the job that brings them together. I remember playing the first Wild Arms a long time ago, and isn't the prologue like three or four hours long or something? Like it's three uh... one-hour prologues. Yes. Right. Okay. Because <laughs> so I remember getting to a point where it's like, did I just beat it? It's like, no, you just beat the prologue. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it like does it just like a credits roll? Uh, yeah. 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 I remember that. Speaking of, speaking of, let's check in on where Armed Fantasia is in its Kickstarter. The hell is that? That is the Wild Arms spiritual successor. Oh. 
Cool. So we've got the, the double Kickstarter of Armed Fantasia and Pennyblood. For those who are just tuning in like Joe, Armed Fantasia is a Wild Arms uh, spiritual successor, and Pennyblood is a Shadow Hearts spiritual successor. Currently, they are sitting at collectively 1.6 million in terms of funding. Wow. Uh, the most recent... Uh, see what stretch goals have been hit so uh we've got i think last time we checked in we've gotten eight more whistling stretch goal which just says that there will be more whistling in the soundtrack nice uh, <laughs> wow they've got more gadgets so if you remember the tools system from wild arm where you would like uh get like bombs or whatever they were puzzle solving items that you would use uh outside of the Grappling guns. Yeah, grappling, grappling guns, guns throwing knives. Jet-powered roller skates. Yeah. That's... Nice. Well, there's going to be more of those. Uh, more than there would have been otherwise. Cool. Uh, it's like usually, what, three per playable character? Yeah, three or four. Depending upon the game. Uh, but yeah. And... Uh, the most recent stretch goal is a very silly one, but kind of a cute one because it's the sort of mini game you would have in a PS1 era RPG. There will be a like overworld racing mini game time attack, and so that's that's Classic. kind of a fun. Thing. Yeah, yeah, so that's a fun thing to have. And then Penny Blood, uh, its most recent stretch goals, it's gotten. Uh, so corresponding with more whistling is cacophony of chanting. So there will be more uh, chanted vocal tracks. And uh, <laughs> they have added the uh, BOI special case files to most recently reached stretch goal. Uh, for those not aware of uh, early <laughs> of what they're referencing with that, uh, before there was, in America, before there was the FBI, there was the BOI, the Bureau of Investigation. Uh, and the idea in Penny Blood is that since it is a game taking place in the 20s, your character can take on quests for the Bureau of Investigation. Nice. nice. So they've uh, hit a stretch goal to promise that that feature will be in the game. And their next, uh, I feel like Gaijin will probably chuckle at this one. The next stretch goal they're aiming for that they might have hit, but I can't be sure yet, is Call of Baby Cthulhu, <laughs> which is okay. a which is a like baby Cthulhu raising minigame. Star so, Child, oh no. Yep. So that's that's happening, and between the two, they've also uh, reached a new game plus stretch goal. So both of the games will have a new game plus feature, which is nice. I don't know that either franchise ever had that as standard, so it's good to have uh, it confirmed for both. And 8-bit remixes of all the battle music, which could be cute. Uh, currently, the collective stretch goal, uh, if they get to 1.75 million uh, US dollars worth of cash, they will put in a card minigame. Yes. Just for wheels. Yes, good. Give them more money. Also, I should say, that means that both of them will have card minigames. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. That's a very reachable stretch goal. They would need to make about $100,000 more. They've got about a week left, so... Uh, Yeah. 
Uh, I think I think we'll probably end up seeing that. <laughs> but yeah, those are doing those are doing quite well. Uh, both of them look quite good. So you know, give them a look if you maybe consider throwing them throwing some cash their way. Because uh, it's it's nice to see these uh, B tier JRPGs get a chance to have a place in the sun again. Sure. Um, oh yeah, there there was a question here that I don't like. I, I, oh, okay. we, when we were talking, excuse me. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Okay. There's a question here that I was focused on the last part of it. I don't think we did the first part of it. Favorite opening segments? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. Hmm. Final Fantasy uh, VII. Yeah, it's a really strong one. Yeah. Like, that's, that's one that... Uh, oh, yeah. Definitely has, like, regardless of whatever else you think about the rest of the game, like that... Yeah. Opening like even just the first twenty minutes is one of the strongest openings an RPG yeah. ever had, and it's even better in the yeah. remake, to be honest. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yes. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna stump for as I often do. Persona Two Innocent Sin has a really strong opening, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you get the you know you do have to go through the typical uh, a fairly typical. Uh, opening, but then like the actual hook that gets you into the plot, like thirty minutes in, is really strong as far as I'm concerned. Let's see, you got any gaijin? What the fuck? I'm trying to think of any that would really work. Um, a super strong one. AC uh, is raiding with a party of twenty-two. Holy fuck! Oh my! That's a lot of people. Holy shit! Um, welcome. Uh, how's it going? How was the Apex? 22, 22 extra viewers. What? Yes. Wow. Of course, wow. she just says, oh, hi. Yeah. Hi. Do you know that okay. person? Yes. I assume as much because Wheels responded to that with, yes. how was the she Apex? She has also uh, rated me before and... Uh, a few times, and I have not noticed. I noticed right away this time because it was such a huge spike. No, not just because I heard the noise. I think the last few times I was like in the middle of a game and just had the volume up. So yes, welcome you everyone. You aren't playing Destiny right okay. now. Yes, I'm gonna say. Okay, um, so I like the opening in the original deaths, Resident Evil Two. Um, That's a very strong one. Yeah, when you got the fire and the zombies, and of course, the first time you play it, you try to shoot everybody, and it's like, no, you're just supposed to run yeah. past them. And it's immediately teaching you why you don't do that. Yeah, and then you go to the kendo gun shop, and if you kill the zombies and loot his body, you get an extra shotgun or bow gun, which is so. There's even in the beginning, there's those secrets, and then if you can get to the police station under certain circumstances, there's the Brad Vickers zombie, and you get the special key to open the alternate costume closet. So yeah, I thought that was a strong opening. Mm -hmm. That unfortunately got majorly uh, truncated in the remake, but the remake was still the better game overall. They're very different games, which is why I like them. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the remake was never meant to be a replacement. They're both excellent games in their own right, sure. Yeah, they're doing very different things with the same material. Yeah. Uh, you have anything, Gajan? 
Well, the uh, only thing that comes to mind right now is actually Magical Vacation. Hmm. Which, I mean, was not the strongest game in the end, but since it has a cast of 18 characters, and it somehow manages to introduce all of them in the the beginning with a decent idea of how they all interact with each other and social things and gives you a pretty good idea who everyone is which looks really i mean See, that it's makes a lot me more think the rest of the game oh. does for story in those those terms so it really helps to set everything well at the start and that, that's you said 18 characters or yeah 18 wow uh i believe it was 18 it's a yeah it's a, there's a lot of playable characters in that game and well, two it, teachers. No, when you said that, I thought of Octopath Traveler because you've got eight different people, and so you you pick whoever you want first, but then you get to play the origin story of every other character as they, you know, join the party. Yeah. So. No, this one you have your character, and then you have all your classmates and a teacher, all caught up okay. in a an incident at summer camp. But everything leading up to the incident really helps set who the, each of the characters are and how they react to each other and helps justify some of the stuff that happens later in the game. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I, I wish they could have done more with characters that they had, but this the uh, opening is really good for what, um, I mean, for Game Boy Advance game. It was very well set up. Right. I actually see. have to go now. Okay. So I'm, That's good having you, Joe. I'm going to go. i got to go to sleep. I'm tired. Mm. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on again. No problem. Anytime. All right. And, uh, you see, Destiny is going. Um, it's going. Trying a really hard activity right now. That, Looks uh, like you're dying a lot. Yeah, well, this is master's level difficulty, which I probably should not be trying. Oh, la-dee-da. Boom, <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm leaving now. Okay, All right, good night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Right. Let's see. Um, yeah, those would be what stick out to me as uh, high quality game intros. Oh. Uh, there wasn't any questions on T seventy three. No, we didn't already hit. I think we hit them last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you got week. one from Strawberry Eggs last week. Uh, I think we got the one from Strawberry Eggs two weeks ago. It's just that uh, by the time the episode went up, uh, she hadn't had a chance to see it. Did she? Yeah, I hadn't had a chance to see it. So that's again. It was a good question, though. So I was glad that we got the chance. Um, let's pop on over to the podcast section of uh, the monthly RP Gamer Discord. Okay. These were asked I believe, a couple weeks ago uh, from dear friend Fireminer. Uh, they were technically for the for the next episode at the time, but we are far past that. Uh, <laughs> Only three see. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Two and a half, something like that. Um... Has anyone checked out Kojima's new podcast? I'd love to know uh, how he can uh, how can he bother Mamoru Oshii. I need to check the podcast out, but I haven't yet. Um, 
yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that one and come back to it uh, perhaps next week. But um, now that Kojima has his own show, like Sakurai and Katsuhiro Harada, what other Japanese developer would you want to do that? Goichi Suda. Oh, Suda. Uh, oh, man. Uh, he's, he's a guy with a lot of uh, interesting opinions. He's just a fascinating person. So he's the one that I would want to hear. Uh, just go off. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else got opinions on this? <laughs> no. No. We also, yeah. Uh, I'll see if I can think of uh, another one. Because like the other thing you run into is that a lot of people that I'd be interested in hearing to speak candidly, I can't Im imagine ever speaking candidly. Uh, so, like, I'd love to hear, like, a really candid, uh, like, series by, uh, Kawazu or Nomura, but I, they're both very, very company guys, and they do not speak candidly. <laughs> like, you know, you, you get either of them to go on the record. And, like, the most you'll ever get is very, like, minor, like, oh, that wasn't how we had wanted things to go. And then, like, you can't get them to open up any further than that. Like, you see, you come through interviews with them, and it's just, like, it's nothing. <laughs> and it's, like, if, if I could get either of them to, if, if either of them were to make something where they would speak candidly about, like, development experiences, I think both of them would be fascinating to listen to. But don't have much hope for that. Um... Just for just for uh, just for laughs, uh, just like a five-part podcast series by Shoso Kaga about his time at Nintendo and how it ended would probably be a hoot. But uh, honestly, as much bio fascination there as anything, given how acrimonious that was, no one's ever going to breathe breathe a word of what happened. Uh, Uh, the the guy who runs Onion Games would probably be pretty good as well. He gives some good interviews oh, there. Oh, Papa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he's got a he's lot got of some interesting fun newsletters. Yeah, he, he, like if letters. you if you read his newsletters, you can tell that he he would probably be interesting to hear it just go off on things. Uh, He'd be quite willing to as well. Yeah, yeah. I will never get over. Uh, him doing interviews in the lead up to the re-release of Moon and talking about what a nice young man Toby Fox is. <laughs> he's just talking about like, he, he just goes off on like, God, I hate the love system that I put in, this, in Moon. I don't know why I did it, but I can't remove it because that would be just like, it would completely change the game and it would be kind of an insult to my younger self, but like God, if, if I can say, don't do this if you make this kind of game. Don't put this system in here. The system sucks. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> God, like that that guy would be a hoot to hear just sort of go off. So, uh, let's see. Um, 
can we talk about the distinguishing characteristics of game character design through the ages? For example, in the 90s, there was a trend of female characters having their hair uh, raised up and then cascading down their foreheads, looking at Sophia from Toshinden to see what I mean. Yeah, I'm not fully sure. That, I don't remember what that character looks like, even though I did play Toshinden. Um, I just looked her up, and I can say that... Um... The main oh, I get what you're force, the character design is always going to be anime. Yeah, I mean that it's, was it's a fun. very, very common hairstyle in all anime action and science fiction anime through the '90s. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and we could talk about like why so. why certain trends ended up happening in anime. But, uh, that's a discussion about anime. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Like you do run into. Like, you know, if you look at something like, uh, if you if you look at less broad trends and look at individual designers, you start to see like ideas that recur in them. Like the infamous one is like early Ach Shibuya fashion and Nomura's designs. Like mm -hmm. the, those those are you know consistent recurrers. But you know, when you get uh, into broader it's like it got popular in anime where did it why did it get popular in anime well probably a lot of a mix of subcultures and just uh one particular artist's proclivities that ended up catching on with other ones yeah yeah i do want them to bring back headbands maybe everyone like, having headbands. <laughs> it's almost certainly going to be like 40 percent shibuya fashion for, to 60 percent um artist fetish yeah Please bring back headbands, though. I miss them. But not that weird style where one leg of a pair of pants is cut off. I have no idea why that ha ever happened. Oh, Titus had that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like late 90s, early aughts that happened in several different anime that I saw. And it was like, why is this going on here? Remember the joke before FF10 came out uh, in a lot of game magazines was that Titus looked like he was wearing weird later hosen. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, uh, good. but yeah, you know. Like thanks again show. for the raid, AC. Seriously, appreciate it. And we should play. Oh, we should play Apex again sometime. <laughs> it's always fun. Always a good time. But yeah. Um... Yeah, this does remind me that like one of the one of the wilder things about Trails in the Sky is that it was this game that came out. In, the first one I believe came out in two thousand four, but it looks for all the world like you would just look at it and be like, "Yeah, someone thought of this character design in nineteen ninety eight, and at the time it was kind of a throwback." Uh, but that makes it doubly charming now because uh, we are we are multiple extinction level events of anime styling from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Does using character creation tools to create all the NPCs in a game add to the immersion, like using in-game, in-engine cutscenes? No. Yeah. Uh, in general, uh, I, I can't think of a game whose character creation tool is necessarily strong enough to not make that completely stand out. <laughs> Like it... I mean, Dragon Quest Nine kind of tried, but they ended up in a situation where the only real um, cutscene in the game involved your hero wearing full body ar face covering armor because there was no other way to make it work. 
Yeah, but I think this is more broadly about like if all the NPCs are made from the same parts that you can make your player character from. Get Bradley um, default. Yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, I, mean, I feel unless like it, yeah, unless it's a lot more robust, you're going to end up with a whole lot of characters looking almost identical. Yeah. So like the the thing that the thing that I feel like ends up happening here is that you either need to like if you make a character creation tool that's robust enough to actually make this work, you're going to produce a character creation tool that's probably too complex for the player to get something they're happy with out of. Uh, like, I mean, Bethesda kind of gets there sometimes, but still. I mean, no one's happy with too much to care about. Part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone is like a weird, horrible potato man in those. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, uh, and, you know, if you make it so that the ability to make pleasing character designs is simple enough for most people to actually uh, produce something that they like, you end up with uh, a... Uh, you, you probably there's a very good chance you end up with a tool that's too limited, and people will just notice all of the uh, stock designs that uh, have been uh, like these stock design elements and how they've been reconfigured. You kind of want to like when you're trying to create immersion. Yeah, you kind of want to if you're trying to create immersion. You don't want to make it completely obvious how the sausage is made. So like you know, hide some of those tools from them because that makes it so that it's less distracting when you see one of those, like, random ass hairstyles again. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um, trying to think of... But, yeah. I, I, I think there was a, a degree of virtue to, by Mass Effect 3, uh, both versions of Shepard were like there was there were special default ones that did not use like the base uh setup because if you were going to have like a nice default uh face for the character you might as well you know make it something special. No one looks like Shepard in those games. And you know that's useful. Like your character is the one you're gonna see the most and it's the most important one for the most part, so you know, there's there's worth in that. Uh, you know, especially for like just filling out crowd scenes. Like you can definitely make some like unimportant NPCs, and you can probably make some of them out of the same parts. Because uh, you know the car the player is like they're half procedurally generated anyway. The player's not supposed to look at them very long, but especially when you get to like plot characters or quest givers you you should probably be making unique designs for them because that's mm -hmm. part of what makes them memorable and makes the character player care care about them <laughs> let's see um, and to hit one more of these related questions are fallout and the other scrolls ugly not just character design, the overall look of the game because of the creation engine's technical limitations, or is it just that they have terrible direction? Either way, they only serve to make the other worlds look even nicer. 
I wouldn't say they have terrible art direction. I think they have unappealing to me art direction. <laughs> There's good in them. Uh, I do There's think there's a lot of brown in them. Yeah, that's that's been a long running theme, and I think that's that does hold them back quite a bit. That they just don't have like the most appealing palettes, and palette the palette does do a lot to set the mood for these things. And so you look at like Skyrim, and the dominating colors are like gray, brown, and white. You look at uh, like Fallout Three and Four, and it's just like this soupy yellow haze a lot of the time. It's just you know, it's it's not appealing. It's it's not an appealing color and that really damages the rest of the art direction. There are good things in the art direction. I do think the uh so there's a lot of things about the technical that like the graphics engine that I do think harshly let down what could otherwise be interesting art direction. Uh I think that the way that characters are lit, which is designed to, you know, make it easier to identify characters, also tends to highlight weaknesses of how the characters are rendered. Uh, in general, uh, they're also trying to spread a lot. Uh, they're trying to spread a normal, usable amount, like, creatable amount of art assets over a shit ton of game real estate. And that tends to hurt the art direction because like you know the more that you have to reuse something the more the players are going to notice the things about it that are questionable or that don't match other things like but you know there's only so many art assets you can create and you know tons of things are constantly being shifted around during development there's all sorts of things that cause this to be the case but it does i think hurt the uh, overall art and then of course like one of the things that i think they run into routinely is that the mainstream audience that they need in order to justify costs of these things has very specific ideas especially for the elder scrolls about what they want out of a fantasy rpg they want a fantasy ass fantasy rpg and so you look at how these all come together and you get the things like the aquamaligned art direction of the other scrolls 4 which you know everyone uh will take to task for a different reason there's the like people that are like this is really generic and this looks ugly because of x y and z technical factors and then the like elder scrolls lore nerds who are like this is disloyal to the version of uh Cyrodiil that was described in the prior games which said that it was like this weird ass jungle and the reason that that didn't end up happening is a combination of those things that the technical hurdles of rendering like a weird ass jungle and the fact that it did not look like the fantasy rpg people wanted out of the elder scrolls came together to produce something that looked much more like what people think of when they think of serious fantasy So, yeah. It just reminded me that there was a lot of blowback when Diablo 3 came out and they thought it was too green. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not green enough. Enough. <laughs> like, there's no pleasing That's... some people. But yeah, it's just one of those things, like, a lot of times art direction ends up bowing to what people expect from the genre, whether it should or not. Like, that just happens a lot. 
because publishers are in control and publishers are like, this thing was popular. It should look at least somewhat like this thing so that people will feel more familiar with it. And like, true or not, it helps, uh, it, like the one paying the bills ultimately ends up winning that fight every single time. If you want to see what happens when someone tries to win that fight from a position of no power, you end up with something like the 2010 Splatterhouse game. Should I explain that reference or not? No. Huh. Please. <laughs> uh, and here I was going to talk about a very strange development cycle. You've stifled me wheels. Sorry. <laughs> you have the chance to take it back. I can still do it. <laughs> do you have a no different case. game with a weird development cycle you could talk about that's not fucking Splatterhouse? <laughs> Listen, Splatterhouse is a game with a great deal of history and legacy and also of threats of being sued by the people who make Friday the 15th. <laughs> nice. True, true. No, the, the actual thing I was going to say is honestly only tangentially related to the game that came out because basically uh, Namco, the publisher on that game, basically said, hey, uh, you know what? We would like a game that is a uh, fairly faithful-looking uh, modernization of Splatterhouse, and then the development team they assigned to it said, I would like to make something essentially completely unrelated. Huh. And then uh, partway through development, upon inspecting a milestone, Amco was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we were paying you to bring back a relatively faithful Splatterhouse. Get the fuck out. <laughs> and so they took that development team, they took that development in-house. Hmm. That's what happens when you try to when you try to disobey the publisher on what kind of art direction you're going to be having. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I think that like there's probably a lot of people. I think there's a lot of there are virtues to a lot of what's happening in the art direction of Bethesda games, even if they're not they don't look like the way that I want them to. I get why they look like the way that they do. And, I don't know, hopefully Elder Scrolls 6 will be more interesting to look at, but if it's not, I'm not going to pretend I don't get why. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the technical aspect certainly isn't helping, but I, I wouldn't make it as simple as the art direction is bad, but there's just a confluence of things going on and different masters that they're trying to please. Got, uh... Oh, heavens. Sorry, I've been, I've been, as, as, as is true every week at this stage, I've been tired this week. Uh, do we wanna, <laughs> do we wanna close things out or keep going? We can close things out. Um, I just need to go throw something through a window because I finished this master difficulty. Lost Sector. It did so not get awarded with an exotic. What on earth is wrong with you? I'm just angry. So angry. Yeah, I just I don't I don't that get was... the idea of throwing things through a window. Oh, I didn't mean literally. Oh, I thought you were gonna throw your steam deck through a window. No. Size of a house brick. <laughs> Somebody might get hurt. That's the point. <laughs>
but yeah. Uh-huh. Gaijin, tell me about princesses. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. okay, well, bear with me a moment. It's been a while. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, so Princesses of the Pizza Parlor on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited, available for your reading pleasure. If you enjoy tabletop RPGs, if you enjoy watching other people play tabletop RPGs, which is its own thing on YouTube these days, so everyone does whatever. Um, if you want to live vicariously through other people's poor personal decisions and worse dice rolls, then we have all that in print format. Again, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Not as you Twelve ebooks, uh, ranging from <laughs> short story and novella length to one inadvisably long novel. Uh, <laughs> also available in four paperback editions, um, collections, whatever you want to call them. So please check them out. Again, that's Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yadimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Thank you. Hmm. What else? Uh, you can catch this podcast uh, live, usually on Wednesdays, on Twitch TV slash Ask Wheels, sometimes on Twitch TV slash RP Gamer, but usually here. Uh, so do a Sunday night stream called Sunday Night Shenanigans, focused on multiplayer games. Uh, last week we played Splatoon 3, and I have no idea what's going to be this week. Might be we'll Turtles see. in Time. Possibly. We've threatened Turtles in Time, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, uh, yeah we had some, some things go on. Yes. And uh, also occasionally do a show called Adventures in Platforming where I've been playing through um, Klonoa. Klonoa. Door to Phantom Eva. Yes. It's a very good uh, platformer from the PS1 era that probably not a lot of people have heard of. Uh, so yeah, definitely keep an eye out for that. And um, occasionally I play some Apex on stream and usually very poorly. Uh, but I try to be entertaining in my mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, so when he's that. feeling really spicy, sometimes he does a horrible stream where he plays too many card games. It's true. The last time I did that, I played uh, Hearthstone, Magic the Gathering Arena, uh, Pokemon TCG, and Slay the Spire all at once to varying degrees of success. Absolute fucking lunatic. Yes. Uh, uh, as for me, uh, still wrapping up some essays for the Patreon as requested by one fire miner. Uh, those will be up, uh, at least one of those will be up this week. Uh, like, what was I going to say something about? At least one of those will be up this week. Uh, and it'll be free it's like you know but you know throw me some bucks if you want it makes me feel more encouraged to keep writing things um let's see uh that'll be on patreon.com slash game culture study uh there's a bunch of nonsensical ruminations there already um what else what else what else uh dying 
Uh, oh, yeah, you can ask us questions. Thank you again to Crawl and Fireminer for giving us questions this week. Uh, you can ask them to us via the comments section under this episode on rpgamer.com, or you can ask them in the Discord. Uh, if you go to the Community tab on rpgamer, you will be able, you will be able to find a link to the Discord, as, uh, which is a nice, lovely, wonderful community to discuss things with. We always love hearing your questions, and honestly, even if you don't want to ask us questions, it's a good community, and you should spend time there anyway. You can talk talk all and sundry about your favorite RPGs and things that aren't RPGs that gets discussed, too. Um, yeah, uh, please, uh, you know, if you do have some questions, we always love hearing from people. Uh, otherwise, I think that runs us out of time, so see you, Space Cowboys. See ya.